Good morning. Uh, it's good to have you all here. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for joining with us. Um, before we get into the message, just a couple of an- announcements. Uh, the flowers on the altar today, we are celebrating two 60th wedding anniversaries. Uh, Rich and Ann Klinger and uh, J.R. and Pat, uh, J.R. and Pat Hoffpower. Uh, so uh, would you just help me in celebrating... perseverance and forgiveness and all that goes in to being married for that long. Uh, we are glad you're here this morning. Thank you. Uh, uh, we are in a series uh, that we are calling It's Not Personal. And as we are, are doing that, what we're trying to do is uh, continue the steps that we've been on for the last six months or so of, of talking about a deepening relationship with Christ, moving out of church behavior and religious activity into discipleship. Discipleship is following Christ. It is a, it is a practice of, of being transformed by who Jesus is and then putting it into practice in the world. And so that's, that's where we're going. And, and the, our title sounds counterintuitive and like I don't know what I'm talking about. And there's lots of times where that's the case. But for this, uh, where I'm going with this is, uh, your, your relationship with God is actually very personal. It's very personal. There's, God knows you personally. Every single one of us. Before the world was created, God knew you and has always known you and has had plans for you. He walks with you every day of your life. There is not a single moment that goes by that you slip out of his mindset. There's not a single thing or circumstance that has happened where he was blinded to you or got tired of you or forgot about you. God loves you with everything that he has. He knows everything about you from the, uh, from the, the not important detail of how many hairs are on your head to what your hopes and dreams, your fears and your worries are. God loves you in a very personal way. Uh, My youth director when I was in high school used to say, as Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind, right? There is a very personal uh, love that God has for you. And any of you that grew up in the church have heard from an early age, you need a personal relationship with him. That personal relationship that goes beyond just a knowing who he is or a recognition of his name or a, a membership at a church, but a personal relationship in which you seek him out every day, in which you read his word to hear his voice, that you uh, that you listen in prayer and share in prayer, that you serve and and look around in the world and, and with eyes to see him and ears to hear him. There is a very personal aspect to our faith. But what we're trying to do in this sermon series is take you a step beyond that. Because for too many and for too long, that's been the end of the game, right? Believe in Jesus, say the magic prayer, and now you're good. Go about your way. You got your fire insurance, so you're in heaven. Everyone else is burning, but you're good, right? That that unfortunately that has be, that that has too much uh, too much practice of of that way of thinking 
in the world where it couldn't be any more different. Actually, the magic prayer you said, and it's not magic, it's a, it's a sinner's prayer. The, the prayer or the time or the, the moment that you surrendered your life for His, when you invited Him to be Lord over your life, that it was no longer your life but His, when you invited Him into your heart, when you gave Him authority over who you were, that was not the end or the destination of your faith. That was the beginning of your partnership in ministry with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the time when you moved from the hospital bed to becoming a nurse or a doctor to help administer the the medicine of grace and forgiveness and kindness and peace and gentleness in the world around us. And so what we're trying to remind ourselves of is while there is a very personal nature to this to this relationship, to this thing we call faith, once we, once we understand what faith is and have given our life to Christ, it is meant to go corporate. It's meant to go public. It's meant to be shared. We are walking advertisements of who Jesus is. We, we are to be the hands and feet uh, of, of what Jesus uh, began in his ministry. And so that's where we're heading in this. Last week we talked about, are you telling the story? Are you telling the story? The only way that gets passed along is if we tell the story. This morning, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, I, I'll just warn you in advance. This isn't cotton candy this morning. We're gonna chew on some meat this morning. And, uh, uh, and, and so, uh, you'll, you'll get it right away. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. <coughs> Excuse me. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be unto God. Some of you are thinking, man, wrong week to come to church. It's Valentine's Day. We're supposed to talk about love. Come on, man. And you're right. We should. And we are. We are talking about love. We are talking about a love story, the greatest love story, the story of a God of all power, of all might, a perfect, holy God who created out of love. And his creation rebelled against and didn't give him the attention or the honor that he deserved. And instead of turning his back on them, he, he instead of pushing them away, he drew near and came to be with them and gave them a way that they can have a relationship with him. It's through the blood and the sacrifice and the life of Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried, and raised again and is seated at the right hand of God. It is through Jesus Christ we have a relationship with God. And in that love story, God's greatest desire is that we have a relationship that reflects the kind of love that He has for us. The whole reason God created Because God is love, and love, in order to be expressed, has to have an object to reflect on and reflect off of. That's why God created. It wasn't because He's a neo-maniac. It's not because He just 
uh, just was bored one night. It was because out of his immense love, he needed us an object to, to put it on and wear that object. Given fully and wholly. Everything he is, everything he ha- he cannot love you any more than he already does. That love poured out on you. That valuable, precious love of God. Where we're going with this passage and where we're going in our morning, that love is too valuable to think that you can just idly talk about it. It's, it's not meant to be taken unseriously. This passage is one of the most uh, unsettling passages in the New Testament for me. I, I, I first sort of interacted, I'd read it before, but I first sort of interacted with it in a deeper way about uh, six, seven years ago. I was leading a Lenten study in one of my churches that I was leading at that time, uh, a study uh, by Kyle Eidelman. The book is called uh, Not a Fan. Not a Fan. And a powerful book. If you wanna, If you want to be challenged, pick it up. If you just want to continue in your little cotton candy Sunday school flannel graph of Christianity, leave it alone. Because it will hit you in the mouth. And this passage stood out at it. As I was leading the class, lots of people got mad at me and left the study and were like, you're teaching Harrison. And I'm like, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it to you. Right? Because this passage sort of grates against what we have, what we become comfortable with in our American understanding of what church is. And that's that, that perverted version of Christianity that says, I can, I can love God, but I don't really need to change anything. And, and, and it, I mean, I'll tune in when I want to and he'll love me and he's always there and that's good enough and that's good. This passage rails against that. The whole idea of not a fan, the, 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 that book is built on sort of the idea of Facebook and social media. Uh, I know some of you do that. I read your p- political posts. Stop it. Stop it. There's better things to do with your time from that, and you're not going to convince anybody that you're right. So stop it. But in Facebook, you can have thousands of friends and know none of them. Why? How? You push a button that says like. And now we're in a relationship. Wow. And every once in a while, when you're not doing something political, and I like it, I can push a button that says like. And what the author of the book is saying is that just the way we use a virtual social media, a media that doesn't reflect real human relationships, that Christianity for many has become a virtual headspace in which we click the like button by joining a church or putting something in the offering, but we have no real relationship with the one we claim to have a relationship with. And that's what Jesus is talking about. I tell you the truth, at the end, some are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, I I don't know you. And they're going to argue and they're going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. We prophesied in your name. We, we, we cast out demons in your name. 
We, we did miracles in your name. And he's going to say, I don't know you. Only those who obey the will of my Father will enter heaven. Only those who obey the will of my Father. And again, this, this, this just blows our mind because we've, we, we've, and, and you're thinking to yourself, David, you've been preaching for, for five years that it's not what we do, it's what he's done for us. And now you're moving the, you're shifting the, the goal on us. And no, I'm not. It's still a complete act of grace that, that we are invited into a relationship with God. But this kind of love that God shares with us must, it compels us to change who we are. We can't be who we were if we are going to be a new creation. It's no longer I who live, it's, it's Christ who lives in me. The old is gone, the new has come. All the language of the relationship with God means we need to cast something aside in order to claim what is, what is new. And for, we have given too much permission for people to have a casual Christianity that does more harm than good. If, if you want the kind of relationship that pleases the will of the Father, and I'll get to that phrase in just a moment, it, it, it must be a, a, a relationship that is different from who you were before you knew Him. If your form of, of Christianity allows you to hate people, you're doing it wrong. If your version of Christianity allows you to think that you're better than other people, you're doing it wrong. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. And you're in good company. It's happened to religious people all the time. This book, Matthew, we're reading out of today. You can go chase this down in Matthew. You can find it in Mark and Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who did Jesus argue with the most? Religious people. We call them Pharisees. You can just go by your own name. Right? And he would tell them. Because this whole idea of in your name, in your name, we're doing it. I taught Sunday school in your name. In the name of God, I taught a junior high Sunday school class. Do you know that you can do all sorts of religious activity and not have a relationship with God? You can. Happens all the time. I mean, think through history. You don't have to go very far back. How many horrible things have been done in the name of God? The crusade. The witch hunt. Bombing of of abortion shelters in the name of God. In the name of God. What he told the Pharisees, oh, you Pharisees, you're so worried about how you dress. So worried about how much you measure out or how many times you wash your hands. But when it comes to the real law, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the point. What's the point? Only those who obey the will of my Father will enter heaven. So what's the will of the Father? Well, it's not a mystery because it's what Jesus taught us over and over and over again. And it's surprisingly simple. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's too much for you? Okay. He, he boiled it down even more. One sentence. Here's my command. You must love others the way that I loved you. That's the will of the Father. That's the will of the Father. That our love, the love He gave us, will be reflected back to Him. And in that reflection, our love for Him is expressed in how we love one another. We, we, you cannot be a true disciple of Christ if there is a group of people that you're hoping goes to hell. And we chuckle about it. But folks, it's prevalent in our society. This righteous, and it's not this self-righteous indignation that makes us more powerful than them. If you think that you're a better person because your butt is sitting here listening to me, you're doing it wrong. You're missing the point because what we do here is meaningless unless it's reflected out there. The way we live our lives, the way we love, even love our enemies, even love those who make us feel uncomfortable, that's, that's the will of the Father. That we are so transformed by the love of God that it changes the way we act in the world around us. And there is no people group, no no race, no religion, no creed, no political affiliation, no financial affiliation, no no class structure. There is nothing that God says it's okay for you to not like those people. Because it's for all people everywhere. Because when he created, every one of us was created with the image of God. That's not something you earn. That's something you were born with. And because there's the image of God in other people, if I love God, then I I express it by loving the world around me. Let's move on. Uh, Chapter 25. Chapter 25. You've heard this parable before. We usually pull it out for Mission Sunday. Something like that. Which it applies to that, but... I want you to hear it today in the context of what we just read. I'm going to say to many, you're not, I, I don't know you. Why don't I know you? Because you ha- you've missed the point. What you've been doing hasn't been in line with the will of my Father. I think this parable answers what's the will of the Father. Verse 31, but when the Son of Man, Son of Man is an Old Testament term for the Messiah, it's Jesus. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. And all the nation, all the people, all the, all the, all the world, all that He's created, all the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will place the sheep on His right hand. Good. Good choice of seats this morning. Sheep. The choir looked out. The king will say to those, uh, he will place the sheep on his right hand and goats on his left do better, people. 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous ones will ask and reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What's the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that the love He shared with us will be reflected in the world around us. You cannot love God without loving people. You cannot love God without loving your enemy. You cannot love God and, and have a people group that, you, that you're hoping goes to hell. You cannot, you, you can disagree with them. You don't, you don't have to have dinner with them. You don't have to, you don't have to, um, have them marry into your family or anything like that. But you need to have a desire and a hope for them. Just like God has a desire and a hope for you that you'll understand what true love is, accept it and be benefited by it so that it will change you and all those around you. That is the kind of attitude, passion, compassion, that we are to have because that's the kind of attitude, passion, passion that Christ has for us. The way we treat people reflects what we think about God. This is why, especially, and, and I talk about American Christianity because I'm an American Christian. We have too many churches that think that they can keep people out in the name of God and for his glory, and they're doing his work. Baloney. Anything we do, if, if this building keeps people away, it's not a blessing that's occurred. If the ministry we do here, if the music we do here, if the, the way we do classes, if our, if our beliefs, if, 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 if the way we preach the gospel doesn't, doesn't open its door, I'm not saying we have to compromise, don't send me those letters. I didn't say that. If we do not open the doors to anyone and everyone that wants to come in here, we're not being the church. We're being a country club. If there's a group of people that we say, you can't be here, we're not being the church. If there's a political affiliation 
that we say you can't have that and belong here. We're not being the church. Happy Valentine's Day. Love for God must, 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 must be reflected upon the world around us. This is the life-changing, transformational, world-transforming power of Jesus. This love story, we know how it ends. It ends in glory. The beginning of that passage, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with Him, it's going to end in glory. Here's the question. Are you going to be on the sideline because you thought your hates and your your ways and your thoughts and your your prejudices and your understandings and your comfort zone was more important than what God had for you? Or are you going to be transformed by the power of God and His love and the power of the Holy Spirit as a submitted disciple of Christ joined with Him, hands, feet, heart, soul, mind, strength to make the world a better place? that the kingdom of heaven may come even on this day. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's what discipleship looks like. And if we've gotten so wrapped up into programs and, 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 and methodologies that we miss the point sometimes. Monica um, is, is, has started on Wednesday nights uh, what we're calling Covenant Disciple Group. And, and while it's a new thing, it's really an old thing. We are rediscovering some of the most powerful ways to draw closer to God. It, 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 it's not been that long ago that doing a Bible study that you buy in a book and stuff wasn't around. But Covenant Discipleship Groups have been around for a long time. And what a covenant discipleship group is, is not we're going to read a book together, but we're going to do Christian life together. And we're going to covenant to be in relationship with that. that I'm going to agree to be honest with you, and you're going to agree to be honest with me. And then we're going to pray for one another, encourage one another, hold one another accountable, empower one another, confess to one another. We're going to do that with the hope that that our sanctification is beginning to take hold. We're, we're doing confirmation right now, and uh, um, I found this new curriculum uh, that we're using. It's it's by Seedbed, which is a, a renewal group that I'm part of, but really good about um, history of the Methodist Church and basic Christianity. I told Monica we need to show it in church because a lot of you don't know what you're talking about. But... Um, but one of the things they talk about in there is is and and it's not just Methodists that are discovering that there's a there's a new discovery of what John Wesley stumbled upon in his methodology. That's why we're called Methodists. And the Covenant Discipleship Group was it. That as he as the the, the Methodist Church moved into the frontier of America and and the, you had circuit riders going around from place to place. The, the, the way the church grew and the way the church connected with Christ was not through a clergy member. It was through the relationships they had with one another. And, and they, they would hold each other accountable and they would pray for one another and they would, 
they would read scripture together and challenge one another in that. And because of that, that's why we have a Methodist church in every little kick and holler all through the United States is because that kind of thing has energy and power. Now we've turned into a group that buys programs and coffee and donuts and our denomination could not be dying quicker. Why? Because we forgot our first love. First love is God, who loved me even though I didn't. And asked me to love others the same way you did. On this Valentine's Day, as you think of a love story, this is the love story that will actually change. It's got a beautiful ending. There'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more evil. All things will be made new. And for those who follow, for those who join in, for those who make Jesus Christ their Lord, you'll get to look into the eyes of your Creator. And here, well done, good and faithful. As we as we close on this idea, I just I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this space, I, I, I just challenge you to be brutally honest with yourself. You don't have to share this with anybody. This is between you and God. No one's gonna know what you're thinking. But as we've been going through this and and, and you know, the Pharisees missed, missed the point and therefore missed the blessing. And it happens to folks all the time. They spend their life in church, but they miss the beauty of a relationship with the loving God. So here's my, here's my question for you. What, what is it? What, what in your self-righteous, and we all have it, so I'm not being judgmental. We all have something like this. What in your self-righteous religious practice? Or what in your spiritual appetite that you seek to nurture rather than share with others? What, what, what is the religious attitude that gets in the way of you following the will of the Father? And as I said, we all have those, so don't 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 hang your head in shame. Because this is the beauty of that love relationship. God knew you had that, and yet he sent his son anyway. And it's through his life and death, the blood he shed, his faithfulness, his righteousness that we can receive forgiveness. So whatever that is, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. And then all of us have different spheres of relationship. And all of us have different circles of friends. And I want you to think past what you normally, who you normally hang out with and the normal circles you, you associate with. I want you to push past the center of those into the margins. I want you to go to the outer banks of your relationship circles. And for many of us, it's, it's, we're, we're not even really aware of who's there because 
we usually tend to not look at them or think about them. But just as Jesus said, I was hungry and thirsty and in prison and naked. And you did something for me. We have those folks in our community as well. And those are all physical needs. But And, and there's so many folks in our community. There's so many folks in this room that their need is not of a physical nature, but their spirit is naked or thirsty or hungered or their... There are so many needs in the community around us. So pushing outside your comfort zone, who's in the margins that maybe you could look at with new eyes, with the passion and compassion of Jesus Christ? Whatever you did for these, the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done unto me. God, let us be a people that instead of ignoring the need around us, that we have eyes to see and ears to hear, and a heart to obey, and hands and feet to serve and give. So we can love others the way you have loved. Pray that in the name of Jesus Christ.